0: Your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everyone, welcome to this Monday afternoon episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. order to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. No, I am not at the beach anymore. I am officially back home uh, where I live in Northern Virginia, so no one can hear the ocean uh, for a Monday episode like I did last Monday. But we do have a lot to touch on uh, for this episode of the podcast. A lot has happened around the league since the Lightning uh, won their back-to-back Stanley Cups. Um, I had an episode with Adam Denker on Friday. If you do not, if you did not listen to it, you can go check it out. That is the last episode um, that I posted. But um, there's been some moves around the league. You know, Pierre Maguire... Somehow got a job within an NHL team. We're going to touch on that today. And, you know, of course, he had some really odd quotes to go with it because he's an odd person. And then we also had, finally, the Duncan Keith trade with the Edmonton Oilers and the Chicago Blackhawks. I'm probably going to make fun of the Oilers a bit like I always do. Um, But we'll also have some Penguins talk because I'm going to touch on a free agent target um, that I think they should go after, uh, even though I've touched on that player a lot. On the podcast these last couple weeks, because of course you know the Montreal Canadiens were in the Stanley Cup Finals, so that kind of gives it away. No, it is not Yoel Armia; it's another player who was scratched for basically the entire uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. So that basically should give it away right there for you all. But you know, starting with this trade, um, it's selly season is here, folks. I, I touched on this. Um, on what Friday, th- whatever last, my last episode, maybe it was either Friday or the one before that, but you know, you're going to see a lot of weird, silly season trades. We are getting that right now. Duncan Keith is going to the Edmonton Oilers, uh, for Caleb Jones, uh, who is Seth Jones's brother. And Remember everyone, um, the, Blackhawks want to go after Seth Jones. He's one of their defensemen that they want. They want to get an upgrade on D. Caleb Jones is his brother. And with Seth Jones not really wanting to agree to a long-term extension right now, I think that could be a big kicker Potentially him changing his mind, and may also get a third-round pick in return, no salary retained. Um, this trade is hilarious in so many ways. If you look at uh, Jay Fresh's model, um, Keith ranks he's in the one per- one percentile in wins above replacement, even strength defense three percent, power play twenty percent, PK ability four percentile and the finishing twenty nine percent. Um, his primary assist per 60, 37%, his goals per 60, 37%. This player is just wash now. I mean, it was a little bit better maybe even a couple years ago, but it has sank so it has sank so badly. He's 38 years old. He gets five and a half million for the next two years. I really don't understand what the hell the Edmonton Oilers are doing here. And as I tweeted out, you know, Connor McDavid needs to just ask out already. I mean, this is just This is insanity, I think, from Ken Holland, you know... He really has one of the easiest jobs, I think, in the league. You're building around two of the top ten best players in the game. One of them, the best player in the world. You know, in case anyone has not listened to my podcast before, I do think Connor McDavid is the best player in the world. And rightfully so, you saw what he did this year. Um and, you know, for some reason Sean Simpson had this weird tweet, you know, I'm curious how people who have never worked in the industry can tell you who isn't and who isn't qualified to manage NHL teams. I mean, I guess we're just gonna be gatekeeping here, but as Adam Mcgret says, if you can't build a competitive team around those two who I just mentioned, you are probably not qualified to run a hockey team. I mean that that's just that, that's where it is I mean the Oilers had so many better options than going after Duncan Keith and who knows you know maybe Keith has a renaissance kind of season very doubtful but he could have but you know th- this just screams like a Peter Chiarelli trade in my opinion it's a desperation move because they got swept by the Winnipeg Jets so they're just going to go out and do something dire so basically a hashtag here come the Oilers kind of snafu but you know Matt Dumba is available in Minnesota. Dougie Hamilton's not going back to Carolina. Seth Jones you can have, and, and he's better than Duncan Keith. I mean, I wouldn't give up a, a, a lot of assets for him, but he's still a much better player than Duncan Keith. You have really good options out there, and you're deciding to go with Duncan Keith, who just is not good anymore. I mean, you're not even addressing your biggest need going into next season, which, you know, is more forward depth. I mean, they have McDavid and Drysdale. Okay, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is not bad. It's actually a pretty decent contract. Who else besides that do you have? Kaelor Yamamoto. Y- I mean, okay, he's not terrible, but who else that is good in your top six? Zach Cassian. I mean, I'll, also I will say this: I've seen some weird rumors these last couple of days about a Zach Cassian for Tristan Jari swap. I think that was basically brought up by Edmonton Oilers fans and not media. Um, let me just say this: I'm going to squash this real quick. That is not going to happen. I will legit eat a hat. If Ron Hextall traded Tristan Jari for Zach Cassian, that would probably be one of the stupidest trades um, in NHL history. I mean, I know Cassian it it fits kind of what they're looking for. They want to get bigger. They want to get tougher. He's 6'3", 214 pounds, but he also had five points in 27 games this past year. Sure, he's had 15 goals each of the last couple seasons, but this is also a player who's 30 years old you know what you're going to get with him at this point in 552 career games he has 182 points it's not even um, half a point per game and if you just look at his also his underlying numbers um was only on the ice for 46.7% of the shot attempts um when he was with the Oilers this year last year it was 48.8 he's never he hasn't been above 50% since 2014-15 when he was with the Canucks um his overall with Edmonton in 6 years his possession numbers are around 46.2% he usually gets caved in each time he's on the ice um, I would not expect him to score even close to 15 goals with the Penguins, so I'm gonna squash that right there. And also, it would make it, it kind of makes sense maybe to trade Jari to Edmonton because they want to have a change in goal. But you know, to trade Jari for cassie I mean, that's just a fireable offense right there. Um, that's just like I said, that is not going to happen. You know, but getting back to my original point about the Keith the Keith trade. I just, I just really don't understand the thought process, from Ken Holland. Here, I mean, like I said, the guy's 38 years old. He signed for over five million per for the next two seasons. He's not been good since 2016, 2017, somewhere along those lines. Um, it's just, like I said, it reeks of a hashtag. Here come the Oilers, um, and I can't wait to see what else they do. You know, they're they're just probably going to continue making all the wrong moves. I'm going to be here for it, but. It just, it, it, and it's one thing, you know, to trade for Duncan Keith. It's a whole other thing to trade a third round pick for him and not even get the Blackhawks to retain any salary on his contract. That makes no sense to me. And it just goes to show that a lot of these hockey general managers don't know what the hell they're doing. I mean, I've been saying this since day one on the podcast, everyone. You know, the, the 200 hockey men, they love helping each other out. You know, they they don't... Ken Holland didn't even want his good buddy Stan Bowman to retain any salary. That should show you right there that they don't give a damn about screwing um, their other, their friends over. Basically, they they just do not care at all. I wish it was different where GMs could ca- kind of try and screw the other GM over. You know, like the Shea Weber offer sheet that we saw almost a decade ago. I mean, remember the offer sheet that we had with Sebastian Aho was just so puny. It was just unbelievable. I think I think the general manager at the time, I think Don Waddle, literally came out and said, "Yeah, I mean, like we're just we're going to match this right away." This was a really I, he basically I think said I thought this would be for a lot more. So that that basically just sums it up right there. On how you know all these 200, all the hockey men don't want to piss off the other hockey men. It's just, it's the old boys' club. It's never going to go away. You know, we're going to touch a little bit more on the old boys' club coming up in the next segment where I talk about up here, McGuire, and how the hell he landed a job with the Ottawa Senators. But still, this was another silly season trade. Again, it's it's really going to be funny to see what else Edmonton does this offseason. They still have to find an answer in goalie. Maybe they'll bring Mike Smith back, who actually had a pretty decent season, but I wouldn't expect him to play like that again next year. And you know who else? Who knows? You know maybe they'll do something else weird on defense. But Ken Holland has never been a good general manager. Even going back to his days with the Red Wings, I mean he was hand gifted Datsuk and Zetterberg and Lidstrom and all their other great players. So he's just he's he also signed I think Justin Abdelkader to a horrific contract. Darren Helm had a huge term contract so he just he's just never really been good at his job I don't think but that sums up my thoughts on the Duncan Keith trade to the Edmonton Oilers it's just like I said it, probably for the hundredth time it is going to be really fascinating to see what else they do uh, this offseason Is you know I think we're getting close to Connor McDavid asking out at this point but before we do get to the next segment, it's time to talk about Built Bar. In case you missed it, we did have that Built Grasshopper cookie. Um, it ended on July 9th. It's Built Bar's version of the classic thin mint cookie, all the flavor without all that sugar. 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, only 5 grams of sugar. I think it's probably going to come back as soon as I hear word on that. I will definitely tell you all But we still have all those other delicious flavors, there is something for everyone. Coconut, cherry barkia, raspberry, mint brownie, and of course my favorite, the cookies and cream. If you haven't tried all of the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are the Bill Bar flavors the best tasting, but they are healthy too. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. You can go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED 15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. All the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So, um, uh, this this whole Pierre Maguire topic is probably going to be. Um, I, I'm not really sure how I'm going to frame it. I'm just really going to. Go into it as as I always do. Maybe it, maybe it'll be a bit of a rant about anti analytics. You know, I, I'm just I'm gonna honestly let's just let's just go see where the wind goes with this. So in case anyone was living under a rock, um, you know, personally I woke up to the greatest news of all time this morning, probably around eight o'clock, getting ready for work stuff, where I see the news from Bruce Garyach of the uh, Ottawa Sun that the Senators are going to be reportedly hiring Pierre Maguire for Vice President of Player Development. It was later confirmed, I think, about 10 minutes later from the team. And, of course, all the funny takes come in, and they were something. Uh, Let's just say that. And, you know, Maguire had a full answer when when asked how he would respond to people who say he hates analytics, and he said this, It's not that I hate analytics, but I believe in scouting. I believe that there has to be people that are boots on the ground, hardcore hockey people that can actually evaluate a player without utilizing numbers, and the player passes the eye test. Okay, I'm going to stop Pierre right there, or I'm going to stop just reading that answer right there, excuse me. There is nothing wrong with having boots on the ground, scouting people, you know, the hardcore hockey people, as he likes to say it, that can evaluate a player without utilizing numbers. There's nothing wrong with that, but... In, in 2021, with the modern game and where this game is going, if you are not using some form of... Underlying numbers or analytics, when you analyze the game of hockey, you are a dinosaur and you are falling behind. I don't know how much more clear I can be with that. And I think Pierre just doesn't understand the numbers. You know, he talks about how much he hates it. And, you know, well, he says he doesn't hate it. But I think the biggest thing, you know, especially when he's embarrassed himself on TV, is that he just doesn't understand them. I think that's what really throws him off. And he thinks that the only way to build a team and the only way to, you know, make personnel moves is to just have the hardcore hockey people, the scouts, evaluating player without utilizing numbers. He even says, I don't know if there's an analytic equation for heart, for character, for hard work, for fearlessness, for determination. So that's part of the formula that hardcore boots on the ground scouting has to be. I mean, it's just he's just sounding stupid with these. I mean, this this is why so many people get annoyed with these overrated intangibles. I mean, sure, you know, you maybe need a little bit of heart, a little bit of character, a little bit of hard work, but it's almost like there is a metric that measures, you know, you know determining going to the front of the net, you know, the, the high danger areas, the fearlessness, you know, that's what a player is doing when they are going to the high danger areas of the ice, especially in front of the net, and they're getting results. I mean, Patrick Hornquist, that is basically the kind of player that Pierre McGuire is explaining in that answer right now. It's Patrick Hornquist and oh yeah, wouldn't you know? He had really good underlying numbers this season in Florida and before that with Pittsburgh. You know, the same was probably true with Brendan Gallagher. He's fearless, he's determined, he works hard, he's like the heartbeat of Montreal, has a lot of heart, and oh yeah, he can also go to the front of the net, to the high danger areas, and get a lot of goals. So, and oh yeah, you can measure that stat by looking at. You know, high danger chances for, high danger chances against. I mean, I just don't think he understands that. He says, I don't hate analytics. I think it's a tool that can be utilized in any kind of valuation, but I'm a big believer in boots on the ground scouting. But it's just, it's an unwillingness, I think, to adapt to where the modern game is going. I mean, I, I think that's really the biggest thing here. And as Greg Wyszynski says, you know, he 100% considers heart to be related to players who go into the tough areas of the ice, you know, where areas where there's a high amount of danger, you know, only if we could quantify that. Yeah, like I just said, with high danger uh, chances. And even Fresh says, who, you know, if you're not subscribed to his Stuff on EPR, uh, EP Ringside, excuse me. Um, he just he does outstanding work. He even says there's nothing wrong with scouting. Nobody thinks there shouldn't be scouts. But drafting a player with five points in 70, 70 games because he showed fearlessness or whatever is, I think, the issue people have with overvaluing intangibles. And he's 100% right. You don't just draft someone with you know really shitty stats just because they show heart, they show character, they show this other stuff. Blah 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 blah. I mean, you actually have to produce and you have to look at the numbers as well in order to be drafted. And I just don't think Pierre Maguire is going to do that in his spot with Ottawa, excuse me. And, you know, and and, and again, you know, even as someone else on Twitter said, you know, that that would be an okay answer had Pierre not spent the last several years yelling, you know, where that analytic equation for that is every time he saw something that he liked and then just blamed people using analytics or something like that. It just... It really doesn't make sense to me. And then he also mentioned that he was offered an NHL position. The contract offer was only for two years. At the time, there was seven years remaining on his NBC deal. In case anyone was not aware that, yes, he confirmed that he was offered the GM job for the Pittsburgh Penguins by Lemieux and Berkeley and Morehouse. He declined it because it was only a two-year offer. Remember, everyone, Ray Shiro was fired in 2014, right after the Penguins with that 3-1 series lead to the New York Rangers. And the three finalists were McGuire, Jim Rutherford, and Julian Brisbois, You know, imagine if they had Brisbois. I, I would really, really be curious to see what would have happened. But, you know, I can actually say now, thank Christ that Pierre Maguire was not hired to be the GM job uh, over Jim Rutherford. And I, I, I didn't really like the way Jim Rutherford's tenure en- ended. I don't think anyone did. I did not like... You know, those last three years but you know he probably built a much better team than Pierre Pierre McGuire would have uh, especially during 2016 2017 the Penguins probably do not win those two Stanley Cups that year those two years if um Pierre McGuire is the GM but um it's just you know and and, and again I also think that um, Greg Weinski of ESPN also had a great take earlier today and, and I actually agree with him I was thinking about this before. Um, he said it, and I, I was actually glad that he did say it. And you know, this is the power that something like television has, because you have all these qualified people probably for this this role. You know, I'm sure you know they probably receive hundreds of applications if they put that on a job site or glass door, you know, something else. But again, this is the power that TV has, and the fact that you know all these other people qualified, but they're not getting it because someone can basically just scream inside the glass and. Talk about you know where this player was from and, and and where he played his junior hockey and and blah 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 again like that's that that matters to um, a, a lot of people you know as Greg says they were not in a glass box telling you that Jeff Petrie got his start in Des Moines under Reggie Smith in 2005 and I also agree with this here um, I think Pierre definitely should not have been doing games for NBC I think in a perfect world he probably should have been doing well, in a perfect world, I should stress that in a perfect world, he probably should not have been employed by any TV network. But in a better world, he should have been in the studio where you're only seeing him um, 15 minutes after every period. So only 45 minutes out of, what, a two and a half hour broadcast. I think that would have been a lot better. But um, I am kind of tired of Pierre just always going against analytics. I can't wait, though, to see what he does with the Ottawa Senators in this role uh, I'm just, I'm expecting them to make a whole lot of bad decisions, especially now that Pierre is there. I cannot wait to see it. Um, it, it's probably going to be something I won't even be able to explain in words. So, uh, thank you to Pierre Maguire for really just making my Monday morning or my start to my day, um, just a whole lot better than I thought it would be, or I really should thank the Ottawa senators. I don't know why I'm thinking Pierre Maguire, but, um, I did want to go over some of those quotes and touch on, you know, how. Like I said, if you're not using analytics to make decisions when it comes to player personnel, drafting, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you're just you're being left in the mud. This this is where the modern NHL game is going. Adapt or die, as I've always said on this podcast from Moneyball. Um, you know, you can. It, it's your choice. You know, sink or swim. I think at this point. Um, there was one other thing that happened today in Penguins land. Before I get to the uh, the free agent target that I have in mind, um, Penguins did make some front office hires. Um, Will Acton and Kerry Huffman as pro scouts. Brett Hextall is Ryan Hextall's son. He's an integrated development coach. And Alexander, Ka- Ka- I-, I hope I can really pronounce this name. Uh, Kavanov, I think is how you pronounce it. European amateur scout. And Matt Mangini as an amateur free agent scout. Congratulations to all of those who are joining the Penguins front office. Um, definitely weird that Ron just brings his son over for a job. I, I, I don't know if someone else could have been a better fit for that, but I also, we are probably still waiting to find out who is going to uh, take Sam Ventura's place um, after he left for the Buffalo Sabres. But I wanted to point out those hires for y'all. And in case anyone did not know uh, where some of these people worked, if I can just find this real quickly, uh, Kerry Huffman was the former uh, Phantoms assistant coach in Lehigh Valley for the Flyers AHL team. Um, And also Brett Hextall, he was remained in Philadelphia as a player development coach even after Hextall, um, his dad of course, was fired out of Philadelphia. So did want to touch on that. There was a little bit of a Philly connection there for a couple of those hires, but Okay, before we do get to our free agent target to end this episode, it's time to talk about BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to burn all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. You can head to the website or use your phone to sign up today and receive a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts with the promo code LOCKEDON. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So let's get into it. Here's a free agent target that I think this team should go after. I basically gave it away with how I was talking about him with Montreal. Yes, everyone, the Pittsburgh Penguins should make a run at Tomas Tatar. I've been... Thinking about it, you know, ever since I kind of finished up my vacation, it makes all the sense in the world, I think, for this team. I mean, you look at his even-strength offense for this season, plus point .42 point four expected goals for per 60, um, plus six, it's basically plus 16% if you look at HockeyViz with Micah's stuff, a whole blob of red in front of the net. Again, in case you all have never listened to this podcast before, um, the more red you are in front of the net, you know, it just means you're creating more chances in those areas, the more blue you are in front of the net and on the surrounding areas in the offensive zone, the less chances you are creating for yourself. Um, if you look at just his 2020, 2021 isolated impact, Again, plus 16.5% expected goals for. Last season, it was plus 166 Even defensively, he was better this year at minus 3.9% expected goals for. Um, he was just, he was so good for Montreal. And it honestly is just, it was a crime that he was not in the lineup basically at all um, for the Stanley Cup playoffs. I just need to go find his numbers here um, for just, just his full underlying numbers. Excuse me, just for. Um, the regular season. Let me just find this here real quick. Okay, so if you go to natural stat trick, you go look at 5v5. He was on the ice for nearly 60% of the shot attempts. Um, as for goals for, goals against, 53.7% of the actual goals for. Um, the expected goals, 58.8%. Last year it was 602 59.9% of the scoring chances for, 59.2% of the high-danger chances for, 131 for, 90 against, and then for high da- actual high-danger goals for, 17 goals for, 14 goals against. I mean, he was just a menace this year for the Canadians. If you just look at his counting stats real quick, um, let me just load those up here for you all. He had another real, really good season. Um, 10 goals, 30 points in 50 games, over a half a point per game. Last year for the Canadians. 61 points in 68 games. The year before that in Montreal, 58 points in 80 games. This is a perfect opportunity for the Penguins to sign him to a bargain kind of contract because I really don't think he's going to be looking for a whole lot. Just because he didn't get a lot of playing time down the stretch and, of course, into the playoffs, he's going to be looking to reestablish to some value. I would not be surprised, honestly, if he takes a one- to two-year deal Gets his value back up, maybe is over a half point per game player again, and then really cashes out next year as um, he's going to be 31 during this season, and then going into uh, next year he'll be 32. So I mean, he, he, he players, you know, especially GMs, they will overpay for players like this, even though they'll be 31, 32 years old. This is, I think, a gamble that the Penguins should make. I think it makes a lot of sense. And sure, you know, he's a left wing. But again, I think they're going to be losing a left winger in the expansion draft. You know, hint, hint to Zach Gaston Reese. It makes a lot of sense to plug in a hole there um, with a potential, even though it's going to be a limited amount of cap space. If Pittsburgh does create some cap space, I, I think that this will be a perfect free agent signing for the Penguins. They could still move out Marcus Pedersen. Maybe you move out a goalie. Maybe you try to find someone to take on uh Mike Matheson, you can find someone to take away Jason Zucker if he's not taking an expansion draft. There's a whole lot of ways for this team to create some really good salary cap space this season. It's a matter of will Ron Hextall do it and does he actually want to do it? I think that's what it's going to come down to. Tatar makes all the sense for so many reasons. It's, he's Like I said, he's probably not going to want a lot. I mean, he wants to reestablish his value. I, I don't think it's going to be as cheap as a Cody CC kind of deal here where it's one year, $1.25 million or something like that. You know, you're know you going to have to pay a bit more to get someone like Tatar. But I could see maybe a two-year deal, $3 million per, a one-year 3 to $3.5 million per deal, and I would do that in a heartbeat for a player uh, of Tomas Tatar's uh, capability. And I think I could finally spam Tatar sauce on my tater tots if he does sign with the Penguins, as Red Wings fans used to do. But that'll do it for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I really appreciate every one of you listening to this. I have a couple things potentially planned for later this week when it comes to the podcast. Remember, everyone, expansion draft protection lists are due this Saturday. We're going to be laughing at a lot of teams, I think, when the lists come out publicly. The actual expansion draft is next Wednesday, the 21st, on ESPN. We are getting really close to some really fun times in the NHL offseason. Hopefully we'll get some really big Penguin news here in the next week to a week and a half. Keep it right here on Locked on Penguins. I'll have everything for you all, especially when it breaks and then some. So, appreciate it and we'll do another one of these tomorrow.